to come into it. And I'm just going to do creepy Gregorian shit here and there. Yeah. Right. Creepy summoning of that the devil. Of, of the yeah. devil. Of the devil. Sorry, I'm being romanced by the devil currently. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, have you <laughs> seen that movie, Romancing the Stone? <laughs> Is it the same plot? <clears throat> I'm not sure. No, no, not at all. But. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental? I don't know. Planes that they're building. And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. Weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. Welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Josh. Oh, we're all here. He is Josh. He's last time I checked. Sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. How's it going? Not bad. I think I'm good on my side. Other than oh man, work, dude. Oof. Work and weather. Do you have the case of the Mondays? A uh, little bit. It's uh, not too bad. <laughs> Nobody knows when we're recording. It could be any no, day. Dude. Uh, no. No. What? I do believe you get your ass kicked for saying something like that. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Nah, man. Yeah. Hell no. Nah. <laughs> you never seen Office Space? I've never seen Office Space. Oh, Jesus what? shit. I've been dragging my feet. You guys oh already gave me shit God. for this twice now. Oh, Bombard really? this yeah. man with clips from Office Space, please. He uh, needs to learn. You're going to learn days. today. It does look funny. I just never sat down and watched the entire thing. One of these days. It's not only funny, it's a goddamn classic, and it's a... It's a cinematic masterpiece. So, well, okay, calm down, John. If you've you ever really seen Waiting, so? how that's exactly like working in a chain restaurant. Never seen Waiting. Okay. Okay, you know what? Let's not start this podcast with this negative vibe. <laughs> we don't need it. You know, we're... That's the power, the that's power of intention. The power of intention, power of intention. Crucify, The power of intention compels me. <laughs> anyway, um, with that being said, welcome everybody to episode uh, six, I believe, of season three. Hopefully. Um, yeah, this is a part tour. And I we're going to dive into it here in a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think part one, hopefully you guys enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, John, I think you had some things. And actually, I'm similar to what you got going on, I think, which is rare because usually... For those of you who don't know, all of us are reading at one time or another. We order a book, we read it, we try to research it, and we go back and forth. I'm literally constantly reading. Yeah, but it's still fun for me. I love it. I love oh, reading, yeah. so it's great. And I'm always reading things that uh, I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I'm not reading, I'm screwing up. That That's kind of what I feel too. Because, if I don't I mean, open the book for an hour a day, I'm like, ooh. Working on a podcast, you think it's just fun and easy, and it is fun. But doing what we do, I mean, it takes a lot of research and you don't want to sound like an idiot. Right. Which, right. which it, I mean, I have, I'm have i really good at sounding like an idiot, so I try really hard not to. I sound like an idiot before I even wake up in the morning. So there's that. But you and I actually are reading the same book, which yeah. usually doesn't happen. Yeah. we're uh, it's So it's a friend of the show, Tobias Whalen. Yep. And he wrote a book called The Lake Michigan Mothman. High strangeness in the Midwest, and it's really, really good. I and like it. I really like it. I will, you know, I'm I'm just like, what, the, what the hell is the Mothman doing in Chicago? You know, this is my thing. People up, bro. Well, that, I just assume cause he's scaring the shit out of people. I'll tell you that definitely. But it it what gets me about it, and maybe I I don't feel like I live under a rock, and I kind of know what's going on around me when it comes to high strangeness and and around the world, but. I read the. I had no clue that many sightings. Oh yeah, and that in the era of those years, it just yeah, that's what well, blows my mind. I covered a Mothman sighting in Chicago right near the airport. Uh, yeah, a couple news, a news epi- episodes, uh, a couple yeah. news episodes ago. Yeah. Which yeah, um, I thought that was just like the one. Mm-hmm. No, evidently uh, not. Apparently, there's just <laughs> decades, there's a slew of decades them. worth. Which makes me. Which, I mean, we can talk about this later, but I don't. I'm not of the opinion that the Mothman is a harbinger of doom. You know what? I think it was painted like that with, and I know that you, you know, the Mothman prophecies, John Keel, everything else, I, I, that that was kind of the, 
is this a foreshadowing type creature type thing? Reading Tobias's book, I'm not really sure if that's a case. Uh, well, well, there have been other natural disasters that have had Mothman sightings uh, preceding them. I uh, think I think when we talk about synchronicities, I think the Silver Bridge and Mothman going back to the 66, 67. For sure. Um, I think it's more of a synchronicity that the Silver Bridge collapsed and Mothman happened to be there and somehow that culminated they, into they, a, they combined yeah. stories a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. I mean But I mean, what do I know? Well, what well, do what you do know? you know, John? That's not a lot. <laughs> Are you do you have the inside scoop? Have you been speaking with yeah, Mr. Mothman? Yes. He's twiddling his fingers over here. He's like, uh, do, I? do I? Do you have something to hide, know Mr. That I know? Oh, God. Jesus, now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just think that the Silver Bridge collapsing was a synchronicity. And also, I think that because decades worth of sightings in Chicago, and there hasn't been necessarily a huge catastrophe like yet, like the Silver Bridge yet, but you know yeah but then i mean you yeah, say yeah well, and then if when when there is like an inevitable catastrophe right because infrastructure in this country is trash yeah and i mean then all of a sudden it's like Agreed. oh well there's been all these sightings of mothman yeah. it's like eh, i don't know you're kind of putting that square into the circle like yeah but yeah. don't put that in one basket where like two years later all of a sudden something happens you're like oh my god mothman you yeah. know don't make those connections yeah. i mean there's more to it than that yeah but so. um this episode isn't about mothman it's I'm just not. saying that uh, it is a good book. Um, if you're interested in that, check it out. It's by Tobias Whalen, the Lake Michigan Mothman. Yeah, him and uh, him and his wife Emily are actually again friends of the podcast, and we had him on before. Um, and that's why I think we want to pick up the book. And then yeah. once whoever's done first here, you got it. And then yep. Josh, you read it, and then we'll go from there. Um, but again, as far as reading goes, we are into part two. Of magic. And boy, I'll tell you guys, um, two weeks of reading The Black Arts by Richard Cavendish. Wow. Like it was, you know, there's a lot to it. It's worth reading, to be honest with you. Just saying. There's a lot of stuff in there. And we're going to cover, uh, we're going to come part two. And we're going to go into what this looks like. And we are talking about magic in general. Yeah, and I want to I wanna get into the little darker side. because and that's, that's what just... we're going on this. That's, That's just the kind of guy I am. Yeah. <laughs> the goddamn oh, yeah. Chinese military. <laughs> so we did cover earlier, if you guys missed it, and if you did, go back and listen to it. Uh, a little bit of more performance magic and what that looked like as far as that side. And then magic morphed into what people kind of were afraid of, which is more of the black arts, black magic, dark magic, um, secondhand magic is what they call it too, left-hand magic. Um, and now we're here. So I think you guys left off with some quick history lessons of people who, in the 1300s mainly, that about the wax figurines yeah, and how they mixed them, how mostly they Mostly dudes who shouldn't have been messing around with magic uh, because they were supposedly in the service of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Crunks. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? When you have magic and the Pope involved in the same paragraph, it poses to be a problem. Uh, yeah, I don't think they liked it. Somebody didn't like it because they were flayed alive and burned in 1317. Oof, it was not a good ending. I good, still so. think he was framed. I think that was an expedient way to deal with a rival. You, you know, you can go down that road all you want, but let's just... Uh, Fox's razor. Let it lay, sir. Let it lay. Well, really, with a bag full of toads, arsenic, quicksilver, rat's tail, spiders. Like I said, Shane framed. <laughs> Thanks, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You did it again, goddammit. The Clintons are behind it. I know it. Always, always, always. So anyway, we will continue. Just as we discussed magicians earlier, the more accepted type magicians, there were also famous ones in the black arts as well. So previously, again, we discussed uh, everything from Houdini to Penn and Teller, some of the well-known ones. Black arts had the same thing. Um, and those magicians, needless to say, I think took just as much work into learning their trade as the other side does. A magician by the name of Eliphas Levi, whose real name was Alphonse Louis Constant, was born in Paris around 1810. He wrote The Doctrine and Ritual of Magic, as well as other books. He practiced becoming a priest, but when he was found arguing peculiar and heretical opinions at the seminary, he was ousted, as one gets when you're 
against the grain. Yeah, you can't really talk shit at the seminary. I mean, it's no, basically they frown like on that. telling your boss they're wrong. Yeah. It's not going to go well. Yeah, you, and not you, going you. away, just standing there giving the finger. So, well, this is what this uh, this Levi did. So always attracted to cultism, he, wrote, he began writing books, uh, such as the one mentioned above, and continued studying and performing magic. Here's a weird little twist, though. He wrote a book in 1861 called The Key of Mysteries, which it was said he himself translated to English later on because he was thought to be reincarnated as Aleister Crowley. Now, I know that doesn't make sense, but that was a belief. And Alistair believed that in the back of his head. And that wasn't the first time. We'll cover it here in the write-up. But uh, to me, that holds a whole new layer to the onion of, wait a minute, I'm a magician, but I haven't died because I'm still here in this form. And it, and it kind of plays with the whole magic thing still, I feel. Or maybe yeah. it's just me. I don't know. Um, that gets into... Uh, we- I would it, it like gets to deep. discuss this a little farther down the line. Oh, fair. Okay. Um, I'm when confused we're, when we're by talking that, about actually. it. We get into it a little bit more mm-hmm. further on, right? Like You want to expand a little bit right when we get there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. I, th- I think it's probably better if we do that. Yeah, that's fine. Let's go and do that. So Manly P. Hall, who was 33rd degree Freemason, wrote a publication called Magic, the Treatise on Esoteric Ethics. He has a pretty good quote regarding black magic. There are two kinds of black magicians. One, those who use demons of the astral plane for their villainy, which they invoke through necromancy and invocation. And two, those who create their own demons and launch them against the world, but with the second injure themselves more. The first group is composed mostly of conscious black magicians, while there are many in the second group who are totally ignorant of what they are doing. Some never learn their mistake until the demons they have created come back to the person who sent them forth. Quick side note on Manly P. Hall, he was a badass. Not necessarily a magician, but more of a philosopher. It amazes us what he accomplished in his life. So much so, we think he deserves a telling of his life in a future Strange Uncles episode. So, you know what? Oh, man, I want to pick up. I have not picked up his books yet, but he does have a few. Oh, I thought you were going to say you hadn't picked up the future Patreon episode. Nice nice hook there, guy. No, I haven't picked up that either. Um, But Manly P. Hall actually is one of those ones where if you're really not studying this side of history, um, he's been out there. He's got a lot to contribute, and it's pretty amazing, to be honest with you. So. I would be interested in that because I have no fucking clue who that guy is. Yeah, I, I just just type the name up and look it up. And and again, I think he deserves his own. Oh, so we'll are see. you telling me to Google it, Shane? L Google. I didn't say that What's to your up? face. So one of the earliest mentions of black magic or rituals of such was written by John Dee in the 16th century. Some of his rituals are so good that even Anton LaVey, founder of the Church of Satan in 1966, included some of John's writings in his book, The Satanic Bible, which... Does that ring a bell to anybody? Of course. Yeah. Have you ever read it? I have. You yeah. have? Yeah. And I will say, again, don't write in and tell me what kind of a... I'm a Satanist. Yeah, we're, we're it, not it, Satanists. We're not Satanists by any stretch of imagination, but it's surprising for those that maybe that name rings a bell and it automatically makes them stereotype or pigeonhole over to this side. Mm. That's not even how that book is written. That book is written a lot like what we're covering on part one and part two. It's about power, owning ourself, becoming our own God, our own person. Um, Isn't that where- That's kind of what it's about. He says, like, do what thou willst. Yeah. I mean, just, it it really is- However that works. There's no spells and sacrifice a baby. None of that shit in that book. It's something totally different. So- Basically um, taking responsibility for yourself. Yeah, basically. And making yeah. yourself happy yeah. with whatever that entails. But then when it Satan's attached to it, oh my God, heaven forbid. You know, it's actually really funny because I follow the Church of Satan on Twitter and it's kind of cool the comebacks they have. Well, there <laughs> I is, will say. Well, there is a difference between the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple. Yes, Those there are is two a difference. different Correct. organizations. Yeah, don't get them construed. Yeah, two you might, completely It'll be things. a bad Friday if you yeah. do to get them construed. So jump forward a few hundred centuries, and we have people that were very popular in the whole black magic, white magic movement. Aleister Crowley, for example, went as far as to put a K at the end of magic just to set the two apart. So let's talk about this guy briefly. I'm sure that name rings a bell, and if it doesn't, I'm not positive. Does it ring a bell? Of course. Yeah, I yeah, think we've Aleister all heard Crowley. of him. 
Okay. I mean, right. if you've ever even listened to Black Sabbath, I feel like you should know who Aleister Crowley is, right? <laughs> Touche, sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, just to lay this all out real quick, and then we're going to go for a promo break, but we want to tell you who this is so you can think about it. A poet, a painter, mountaineer, traveler, chess player, brilliant talker, heroin addict, sex fiend, and yes, bit of a kook. Uh, he was born in 1875, which ties us back into the reincarnation thing, John, you were asking yeah, about. here we go. This is the same year that LFS Levi died, leading to the theory that Alistair was a reincarnation of a past magician. Um, anybody want to read this one little note? And we're going to take a quick break. FYI, there are other examples of reincarnated magicians, such as Pierre Vintras, that Let me start that over. FYI, there are other examples of reincarnated magicians, such as Pierre Vintras, that was said to be the reincarnation of another guy, Elijah. Does that mean the prophet? Um, no, this is a different Elijah. He was a magician. Okay. But um, stand by for promo, and we will cover Crowley. Listen and find additional content at mystrangeuncles.com or wherever you get your pods. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us gain visibility. You can call us at 801-252-69-45. You can also find us on Twitter at Strange Uncles. On Instagram and Facebook, Strange Uncles Podcast. Close the gates. Crowley is so infamous in history for being a master magician and a famous member of a group called Order of the Golden Dawn. After some, let's say, tension with other members in the Order, which needless to say, if my day goes like this, I don't want to have another one, <laughs> uh, he branched off to start his own group and named it uh, Argentinum Astrum, or Silver Star. His most famous work was a book written in 1904 called The Book of Law. This book wasn't directly written by Crowley, but by a spirit that spoke to him while he was in Cairo, Egypt, called Iwas. Just a snippet of Crowley's life and how he interacted with others. In a, bi in a biography about Alistair written by John Simons called The Great Beast, he tells the story of how Crowley tried to take over the Order of the Dawn from another master magician known as Mathers. Mathers found out and, in a rage, sent a vampire to attack Crowley. But Crowley smote her with her own current of evil and defeated her. Mathers did, however, succeed in striking Crowley's bloodhounds dead by one blow and caused Crowley's servant to go mad and try and kill Mrs. Crowley. The servant was overpowered with a salmon gaff. In reply, Crowley summoned the demon Beelzebub and 49 attendant devils and sent them off to chastise Ma Mathers in Paris. As, you know, one would do. So I mean, two things here. Uh, number one, I don't know what a salmon gaff is. Number two, I've had shitty days. Wait, you do know what a salmon gaff is? I, I don't. Oh. I don't. That's number one. I don't know what that is. I have no clue. So okay, anybody that's over here. <laughs> and then my worst day of worst, I I don't, I don't, this, no, it, this has not happened. I, I don't get this. I see this going down like one of two ways, right? So either... This is like legit, like crazy, weird, like magic magician movie shit where they're like actually like throwing fucking spears yeah. at one another and shit. Yeah, or yeah. like the comic book guy from Simpsons being like, I send beers above after you and like <laughs> just a bunch of nerds nerding. Nerds nerding. I, I mean, know. honestly, anything with Beelzebub or any of that, Satan, uh, I just, I can't buy into it because. I can't buy into the God portion of it, so Thank how you. can I buy into the Satan version of it? I just think Satan is a lot sexier and funner. <laughs> but like I don't yeah, but I don't, I don't believe in any of it. Uh, but I mean Beelzebub, that sounds way cooler than God or I'll something. I'll tell you what Beelzebub was. That was a good fucking dead milkman album. That's Beelzebub what that was. in my backyard. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, but yeah, nice. yes. I'm going to say I mean I just don't believe in either of it, but well, so here's the thing on my side, yeah, and, and I'll cover a little bit backyard. about this. I don't believe in lizard, God yeah. either. He's still on Dead Milkman lyrics over Sorry. there. I don't believe in God either, and therefore I shouldn't believe in Satan. But at the same time, I'm not going to go out in my backyard and say spells to summon a devil. I just, mm, I, I got shit. enough shit going on. I know. Call me pussy. I, I don't. Sorry. Well, and then you there's know? that. Well, I mean, there goes the power of intention. I mean, maybe you right. can bring up 
you can bring essences of a god or a Jesus, you know, and maybe you can bring up energies of a Satan, you know, and I'm using air air quotes and all of this, like God and Jesus, Satan and everything, you know. There is a good and bad to the earth. There's a yin and a yang. There's a positive and a negative. So Same forces, different names. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so here's this. For example, and we talked about this in the last episode, again, this is in our backyard, Skinwalker. You know, not only on the ranch, but if you go back in the history of the Indians on the Skinwalker, they literally, so they were fighting with another tribe. They got their ass kicked. They got together. They melded themselves to say, look, we're going to, we're going to think and visually empower ourselves to believe in something that's going to go kick this other tribe's ass, which was a Skinwalker. And they manifested this thing psychically really technically, according to myth and legend, that's what a skinwalker is. It's the same thing like a tulpa. You know, if you have Mm -hmm. enough people believe in something strong enough, look at the Jewish uh, tradition, look at Gollum. They believed in something to smite their enemies. It came to life. And lo and behold. That's not the same thing as like just a simple top thought form. That's like there is ritual and hell intention that goes into that. Oh, I'm sure. But so, still. like, a golem you make out of fucking clay, and, and you're performing rituals the whole fucking time. <laughs> dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. And you put a fucking, like, the name of the people, I can't remember if it's the name of the people you want to smite in its mouth, or you put, like, a a prayer. I don't remember exactly how that part of it works, but that's- Or are you talking about life. magic? But, but, I mean, I get it. I'm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, that's yeah. what it is, but, right? I mean, yeah, that is what it is. And Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I'm not going to- I'm not going to get a, in a Ouija board and put it I, in my living room and have all sorry. my buddies come I, over. Yeah, you know. I, you know I'm like, argumentatively agreeing with you. You kind of were. And I'm fine with that because you know what? I, we're saying the same thing on different levels. I There's something to be said about that. And again, not to beat a dead horse, goes back to the mine. The mine. Yeah, the mine. Positive enforcement. What are we it's looking terrible at Terrible thing to taste. So, anyway, needless to say, that's a bad fucking day for me. Glad Cat Crowley and Mathers fucking worked through it. That's cool. So there have been other magicians in history, uh, but we would be here forever. And we literally would. This book, I mean, I bookmarked, I probably had over 100 bookmarks and I slimmed it down to 10. Um, So suffice to say, such as the story above, the life of a magician is not taken lightly. So let's jump into some facets of magic and a quick definition. We covered history. We covered some encounters. We covered the basic premise of it. Now let's cover some of the beliefs of what entails a whole magic together. Names and numbers. Okay. And this fascinates me. So I don't know about you guys, but numerology blows my mind. Um, I've got another book, by the way, on it. So let me know when we're not. We have an opening in a reading. You know, I'll lend it to you guys. When we have I, an I know, opening of reading. As we Don't laugh. Be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You know I dropped out of college because I fucking hate reading, right? Oh, you're in the bad. You're you in picked the wrong a bad. business. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the sunken place. <laughs> there are people in this world that literally will make every single decision in their life based off of this concept. Uh, we're going to read a quick blurb about the black arts. It's going to come right out of the book to help explain the importance of this. Um, John, if you will. The conviction that the name of a thing contains the essence of its being is one of the oldest and most fundamental of magical beliefs. Names are used to identify things. Instead of reciting a long and detailed description of the characteristics of an animal, it is more convenient to say, this is a frog. But to distinguish between the name of the frog and the creature itself is a modern and sophisticated habit of mind. For the magical thinker, the name sums up all the characteristics which make the animal what it is, and so the name is the animal's identity. If it did not have this name but some other, toad perhaps, it would not be what it is, but something different. This is the root of the magical theory that the name of a thing is a miniature image of it, which can be used as a substitute for the thing itself. A man can be injured as effectively by working on this miniature image of himself, his name, as by working on a figure of him in clay or wax. And when a wax image is used, it is often baptized with the name of the victim it represents. A classical method of killing or injuring an enemy is to write his name on a piece of lead, wax, or pottery, add an appropriate curse, and bury it. 
Many of these curses have been found in tombs and temples in Greece, Asia Minor, and Italy. Man is thought to have two names. One is for his everyday use, the other is for him to know only and kept secret. If someone finds out his real name, it can be detrimental and the man's powers can be taken away. Other weird beliefs and names is one of the Jewish faith, where it is said, you shouldn't name your newborn child after a living relative because then that relative will die. Even when discussing God, it said that the reason there was light was because God said it. By God saying it, it then became a thing and a reality. Otherwise, it would never exist. As far as numbers or the study of numerology, numbers are just as powerful, if not more, than names. To bridge the two together, let's try a quick exercise on your side, Josh. To find the number of your name, you start by turning each letter of the name into a number. Unfortunately, numerologists do not agree about the number value to be given to each letter. There are two main systems. In the first, the modern system, quote-unquote, the numbers from 1 to 9 are written down, and the letters of the alphabet are written underneath in their normal order. The second system, the Hebrew system, which is based on the Hebrew alphabet with assistance from the Greek, does not use the figure 9 and does not list the alphabet in the normal order. So, just to clarify this a little bit, when you're looking at numbers, and let's stick with the first one, let's stick 1 through 9, because those are, uh, I guess, the famous and more powerful numbers. If you go 1 through 9, A, B, C, D, E, F, till 9, and then start the alphabet over again, falls under the same letter, or same number, sorry, uh -huh. 1, 2, 3, 4, etc. That's how you line it up. Okay, so basically, and we can put this on the pod, we can put this actually on the website and or uh, Patreon, both, on just a graph, because this shit is interesting. So once you figure out your number, you can then break down that number, uh, and it means to explain your personality. There's a reason they stuck with nine numbers, and there's a reason they stuck with the single numbers, because they are powerful ones. For example, I'm a five. Um, I'm going to read what fives are, and I want you guys to say yay or nay on whether you think this is me, or at least how many of these points actually hit my personality, because I think you know me enough. And then you guys can do the same thing. You know, during either this or after, it, it's very interesting to kind of know because this uh, this beats the shit out of a horoscope. I'll tell you that honestly. Fives are restless and jumpy, clever but impatient. The unusual and bizarre fascinate them. They are jacks of all trades and masters of none. They are adventurers, attractive. <laughs> well, not that one. Uh, quick tempered. Don't sell yourself short. Oh, yeah, they're so sweet. Quick-tempered and sometimes conceited or sarcastic, they are resourceful, resilient, and have many sides, and sometimes are hard to pin down. And they love sex, even walking the line to debauchery or perversion, which you guys wouldn't know. My wife would, and she hates me for it. But there's five. Thoughts? Uh, I have one. So my main problem with this is unfortunately numerologists do not agree about the number of value to be given to each letter so how the fuck do you know what Correct. you're actually talking about old and new and that's a thing hebrew verses and that is a difference so there's two different things and again this isn't a science obviously it's magic and that's why we talk about this with science it'd be something totally different but if you really do if you lay and what i did i actually went through the other equation too was it um see hebrews 9 uh, well, which one leaves out nine? nine? The Hebrew system doesn't. The Hebrew gets nine. rid of nine. So I did it the other direction too, and it came out about the exact same factor. So yeah, and you know, a lot of this I, I have a hard time with sometimes because I think you can you can really put a person for the most part into any type of characteristics of box. Agreed. Yeah, and totally I mean, agreed. like. Oh, and they love sex. Like, who doesn't love sex? I mean, a Taurus loves sex. An Aquarius loves sex. A, Nuns. And a, they love sex, too. Paul Rubin? Oh, a no priest way. loves Shit. sex. Nah. Like, everybody loves sex. I mean, yeah, there's this small minority group that don't like sex. But, I mean, as a general thing, we all like sex. Like, I don't You're know. You're really on the sex thing. Well, I mean, that, that's, <laughs> just, oh, yeah, that's just one thing that stood out yeah. to me. And, like, and you know... I don't know if I'm a five. I'm going to definitely do this afterwards, but like, I like the unusual and bizarre. Um, I may not be a five, but like, it, I, I feel like it's just like, but you could say, I feel I, like I know, it's, I know I feel where like you're it's going. very easy to put 
right. any type it's of personality. It's so fucking in, broad. How it, could it possibly be wrong? Exactly. You can find yourself exactly. in any one of them. So I'm going to play yeah. the neutral figure, and I'm going to say yes. It's just like if you have a psychic that you hire, and they come to you, and they go, oh, um, you had a death recently. Oh, God, yeah, I did. It doesn't matter where that death could have been a year ago, could have been a day ago. Think that's the method of that game because it does open up that bubble yeah, even you, more. You, You're gonna stumble you on something you take, you take somewhere somehow. You take right. an umbrella, right. and exactly. I mean, eventually, you're going to get somewhere. Yeah, and I mean, and, and it's deduction to a certain point. Is it really all it is? Who who isn't conceited and sarcastic? I mean, you. It's just easy to manipulate those things into you. Like yeah. I know not everyone is conceited and sarcastic, but the Pope. I mean, almost everyone thinks of themselves that way. If you, if you, get if you down twist to it, it if you twist it in that way, if like, you're like, am I conceited? Oh, I, I think Tom, most of the time I yeah, look pretty Tom good. Tom Hanks. Can I throw out Tom Hanks? I don't think he's conceited. You don't Does know. Does he him. think he is? Oh yeah, you're right. But he's still so nice. I'm actually making jokes over here, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to pick the nicest people that I can ever think of. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I'm with uh, you. I, I, I get mean, that portion. I, you know, I just I don't buy into numerology at all. I mean, there might be some truth to it. Who knows? Before but. you say that, you should read the book on numerology because honestly, yes, I understand Jesus, exactly what you're right, saying about the broad. More fucking homework. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> so God, I'll hit you with a ruler. So I get what you're saying and you are 100% right. But when you hit on certain spectrums, that's when you start, hmm, that makes sense. That's a synchronicity. There's something to be said about that. And I think numerology okay. hits that a little bit more. Using it as a vector or like a, a fucking foil to get to another understanding is one thing. Using it as uh, like a system to live your life by, like, fuck no. Exactly. Absolutely not. Yeah, and we said that earlier. There's people that literally every single decision they make in their lives, they make it with astrology and numerology. Or whatever. And we'll talk about that as we go into there. And to me, that's really pigeonholing yourself and putting blinders on, and you are living a weird life that I don't want to live because it doesn't make sense. I think to discredit it as a whole is to do it an injustice because I do think there is some type of validity towards it but i think basing your whole day your whole life on like oh that's i i'm a taurus this Agreed. is what happens Ag exactly like, and you hear you that know, all the like, time that's yeah. the thing in astrology all the time i think there's threads in the universe that as weird as it sounds they're there you just need to know how to pull on them but knowing one thing and just going, this is oh, this is totally me, or this is how I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, my, I'm gonna buy a house on this date. I'm gonna be inaugurated at twelve ten a.m. You know, because I'm in astrology. Because it just it means something. It just yeah. I mean, there's this and there and that, and it actually coincides with positive enforcement. Yeah. If you really believe that that's what's yeah. running your life, not to drag the and, conversation. Yeah, I mean, you know who? Yeah. Not to drag the conversation back either. But you will. But before we move forward, uh, the part about man is thought to have two names and one mm -hmm. is kept secret, uh, that hit home to me like growing up Mormon. I was about to say, because you're Mormon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Just yeah. You know. No, well, grow, I was <laughs> raised Mormon. <laughs> Just joking, but, everybody. No, and like uh, you get your patriarchal blessing, patriarchal blessing when you're around like 12 to 14. And that's when you get like your, I think it's called your spirit name, might be your temple name. But I, I think the Jewish tradition has something similar. Yeah, well, to, I'm yeah. sure they do. The, like, yeah, you definitely get a deep. different. You definitely get a different name in in the temple in the yeah. Mormon temple. But it's it's that's the name that God knows you by, and that no one else is really supposed oh, to. Yeah, okay. and you're never yeah, yeah, supposed yeah. to let anyone know. Dude, yeah, that's your name. so I, like when I was reading this earlier, I thought that was super interesting, and I wanted to just say it. I thought it was well, and, th and that's something that, that again, I mentioned like the Catholics, for example, and, and we'll mention this, but it's just, it's so funny how we have like beliefs that are like Christian and, and God based. And then we have magic and there's some similarities that really coincide, but they won't admit it. And that's, yeah. that's a good example. Mm -hmm. well, Very good example. I mean, cause everything is based off of everything. Everybody is influenced. One way or another, it's tied. Everybody is influenced off right. of everyone at like, Everything is tied together in some realm. Like nothing, there's always like a spinoff of something. Well, or other. Christianity like, is basically like a reformation, like what Martin Luther did for the Catholic Church is basically what Jesus did for Judaism. If you want to look at that, like Christianity is an offshoot. It's a Judaic religion. Like yeah. the 
Old Testament is basically the Torah. Like, it all yeah, comes no, from agree. the same, yeah. same yeah, place. Exactly. So that makes yeah. a lot of sense. But so. anyway, sorry, I just thought that was interesting when you pointed out. I, I actually noticed that too. And as soon as you said that, I had a feeling you were going there, which is that's, and that's what brings me up is like everything is tied to something. Yeah. Like, nothing new is under the sun. Essentially. Yeah, 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 I think it's just how you make those threads. But you know, anyway, yeah, we'll, we're we'll, we're getting pretty deep into shit. No, so. I mean, where do you connect <laughs> so, those dots? You know? that, yeah, exactly. It's the same exactly. thing. Like, if you want to say, like, oh, we don't believe in God and the devil, but like, do we believe in these tidal forces of good and evil? Yeah, because they've always been here under one name or another, right? Yeah, they Agreed. have. They have. Agreed. And to try and bring us back on track, can we find a way to harness them through magic? Well, I mean, <laughs> let's. <laughs> I mean, let's just go back to the power of words or names, and one word in particular you may have heard of uh, is the word abracadabra. Oh, this is crazy. Uh, no, nowadays as mumbo jumbo magic term, this word does have some history, and the earliest mention of the word comes from Quintus Serenus Simonicus. Uh, he was a doctor who was with the Impero Severus on his expedition to Britain in 208. He was the author of a poem, and he says, Abracadabra is a cure for tertian fever. It should be written on a piece of paper, which must hang around the patient's neck for nine days and then thrown backwards over the shoulder into a stream of running water east. Water running east, excuse me. It's written in an upside-down triangle, dropping the last letter until it peaks into a single letter, letter A. So that was part of part one. We're talking about abracadabra. Oh, yeah, the stupid abracadabra. Abracadabra. Pull the rabbit out of the hat. Look at this. So something you were just talking about, threads and connections. Good example. Yeah. So Yeah, and also like tying it back into what we were talking about earlier with uh, rituals and like heavy intent because you're right doing right. like a serious ritual yeah yeah so um let's move on to the next one shall we so tarot the tarot is a pack of curious cards which are ancestors of our modern playing cards used in fortune telling and life decisions and is believed to be originated by the egyptians and then spread through europe by the way of the gypsies however other beliefs are that the tarot were invented by a group of Kabbalists in 1200 a.d the tarot deck is weird in the sense that it opens up a world where things are not what they seem, hard to grasp a meaning at times, and at other times, a meaning to a certain individual is plain as day. The early decks had varying number of cards and various names for the suits. It is said that the four suits are connected with the four sacred objects of the royal legends, the sword, the cup, the dish, and the lance. It's also said that the tarot can be linked to the teachings of the Kabbalah, which are Jewish teachings meant to explain the relationship between God the unchanging, eternal, and the mysterious in or infinite. Where the Kabbalah shows 22 connections or paths, so does the original tarot deck. There are almost as many interpretations of the tarot, occult, Christian, gypsy, psychological, as there are interpreters. The cards contain such a richness of symbolism and suggestion that no two people are likely to react to them in quite the same way. Most occultists would probably agree with one modern commentator that it may be the deepest occult wisdom of the tarot cannot be put into words at all. And in the end, the seeker is told only what he cannot find for himself. And with that being said, before we jump into astrology, stand by for promos. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality. Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. Alchemy. Alchemy is a belief that another mineral can be turned into gold. But there is more to this than simply wanting gold. There actually is a quite a background to it, and many magicians throughout history spent their entire life trying to master this method. Alchemy is based off the belief that the universe is a unity. The alchemists found a principle of unity and order in a substance called first matter, which remains unchanged beyond all diversity. First matter is not matter in any normal sense of the term, 
but the possibility of the matter, if that makes sense. And I know that's kind of speaking in, I guess, circles in mm-hmm. a way, but anyway, Josh has a quick quote. He'll read in a second. As soon as I'm done, kind of laid a little bit more. Um, alchemists believed that the characteristics of an object could be stripped from it to reduce it to first matter, then better characteristics added back into it. This is where the mythos of turning something into gold came from. Gold believed to be one of the purest objects on earth. Josh? The universe was constructed by a god or lesser supernatural intelligence who created first matter, or who found it in existence, molded, and animated it. The four elements of fire, air, water, and earth were the first development from the first matter. Each of these elements combines two of the four primary qualities which exist in all things. Hot, cold, wet, and dry. Fire is hot and dry. Air is hot and wet. Water is cold and wet. Earth is cold and dry. Everything is made of the four elements, and differences between <laughs> like objects or <laughs> materials can be caused by the differing proportions in which the elements are combined in them. Do you want me to read that again? <laughs> no, it's just ridiculous in a way. So, um, yeah, alchemy is the basis of Earth, and that's kind of where it comes from. And it was thought that they actually had success in doing such alchemy, but I don't know. Nothing can be proven in history. So let's roll on to astrology. Astrology. The art of astrology is based on the theory we mentioned before. As above, so below. Taking that the belief that all events in the sky are paralleled by corresponding events on Earth. Astrologers have connected almost every important moment in our history with the movements of the planets, comets, or eclipses. The astronomer's universe is like a giant chess game. As the great driving forces of the universe move the pieces in the sky, so are we move from square to square in our lives. There are different types of astrology that serves different purpose. Natal astrology, for example, is your character and destiny and are analyzed in terms of the position of the planets in the sky at the moment of your birth. Which I find kind of crazy. I looked this up a little bit and um, again, there's graphs, how this is pertained, different times you were born. I mean, it breaks everything down to the most intricate detail, yeah. really. You know, if you not just a horoscope in the newspaper. Yeah, but there's, there's like more star it. charts or something like that. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, this theory somewhat follows along with the name and the number idea, where we already planned and foreseen, as far as the universe is concerned, and what our worth and value is on a larger scale. Mundane astrology deals in looking at nations or political power or desire. There are people that use astrology in their daily lives, and this is something we talk Again, before, you know, they just focus on one thing and every single thing they do is because of this and they won't vary from it at all. And, you know, they live their life how they live their life. Finding the balance between belief in something that is larger than yourself versus owning your destiny for some, needless to say, is difficult. So. Astrology is essentially a magical art. Astrologers believe that the course of our lives is laid down for us in the stars, but they also hold the contradictory belief that we can use the influence of the stars to own to our own advantage. If you wait to buy a house until Mercury and Jupiter are in certain positions in the sky, you are following a procedure which is just as magical as a medieval cure for lunacy, which prescribes tying an herb around the patient's neck with a red cloth when the moon is waxing in the sign of Taurus. In one case, the moon's influence is used to cure a lunatic. In the other, the influences of Mercury and Jupiter are used to secure a satisfactory house. Most people who believe in astrology would probably reject the medieval lunacy cure, but if they are consistent, they should not doubt it because it smacks of magic. In practice, modern astrologers keep decidedly quiet about this subject. An American magazine lists favorable days for making an appointment with your doctor, having dental treatment, or having your eyes tested, but it does not list favorable days for undergoing surgery or taking medicine. Um, yes, so that's astrology a little bit. Now, we are going to dive into something that, okay, this is where the, I, I guess what I've been waiting to get to, even though it's not really necessarily, as I clap my hands, thinking it's cool, um, ritual magic. This is a lot of what, People, when they hear the word left hand magic or black magic, this is kind of where their mind goes to. And this is where we're going to kind of end the part two and get a little deep into what's going on. Uh, we will kind of unravel that mystery somewhat. 
The magician's central preoccupation is with the exercise of power, but his use of his powers is as various as his methods. From a tremendous ceremony in which he displays his mastery of all the forces of the universe, he may turn to something as trivial as afflicting an enemy with boils. At one moment, weltering in the graveyard procedures of necromancy, at the next he is slyly turning people into animals. Aleister Crowley could do this, and once he turned the poet Victor Nuremberg into a camel. The grimoire called the Lemegeton lists the names and powers of 72 devils in an analysis of their functions. Most of them have more than one, gives an interesting picture of the magician's uses of power. The Lemegeton's major interest is in the gaining of knowledge. More than half the devils listed include teaching as one of their functions. They teach the magician sciences, arts, philosophy, mathematics, logic, languages, astronomy, and astrology, the occult powers of herbs and jewels. One of them teaches handicrafts, one grammar, one the language of animals and birds, and one, rather surprisingly, ethics. In addition, many of the demons reveal secrets or show the events of the past, present, and future, and some find things which have been lost or stolen. This emphasis on knowledge and secret reflects the tradition that the rebel angels who lusted after the daughters of men taught them all arts and crafts. It is also a reflection of the occult importance of knowledge rather than virtue as the key to spiritual progress and the belief that knowledge of the universe is synonymous with its control. A second group of devils cause death, destruction, and hatred. They bring murder, war, and bloodshed, or they stir up storms and earthquakes. To torment people with putrefying sores, and one brings an agonized death in three days from festering wounds. Two destroy the victim's sight, hearing, or intelligence, and two rob important people of high position and status. Several change people into other shapes, animal and human. The next group are concerned with the magician's own wealth and status. They provide him with riches and treasure, give him the friendship and favor of other people, bring him high worldly position, a good reputation, cunning, courage, wit, and elegance. Three of them turn base metals into gold or money. Twelve demons provide good familiar spirits as servants. Eleven procure the love and complacence of women, and one makes women show themselves naked. Three control the souls and bodies of the dead. Others make the magician invisible or provide pleasing illusions. One can show any person in a vision. One gives the illusion of running waters, one of musical instruments playing, one of birds in flights. Four devils transport people safely from place to place. One warms water for baths, one turns water into wine, and one reprehensibly turns wine into water. The mixture of the trivial and the important is typical of magic, and so is the mixture of good and evil. The demon named Glacia Labolas teaches all arts and science, which seems admirable, but he also incites murder and bloodshed. Rom reconciles enemies, but is equally ready to destroy cities. Floros gladly discourse on matters of divinity. Seer is indifferently good or bad and will do the will of the operator. Magical operations, like those of the Lemigaton, which involve conjuring up a spirit and a cult force personified as an angel or demon, have a long history and tradition. The basic pattern of the ceremonies is already found in the Greco-Egyptian magical texts, which date from about AD 100 to 400, and is repeated in medieval and modern textbooks, though with many variations in detail. First, the magician prepares all the necessary accessories, his sword, his wand, perfumes, talismans, the magic circle, pentagrams, and hexagrams. When everything is ready, he summons the spirit to appear in a succession of powerful incantations. Finally, he gives the spirit its orders and dismisses it. Just so everybody knows what we're referencing, again, this is a book called The Black Arts by Richard Cavendish, and that really is almost a whole chapter to start the ritual magic, because it is, um, it is actually very mind boggling to be honest with you. I, uh, yeah, I don't understand that. Let's continue with what we have on that. So when we're dealing with ritual magic, as mentioned above, there are more beliefs to go with that. Rituals are procedures that are used to cleanse or purify the magician. So they are ready to perform what type of magic is planned. How they prep could entail fasting for seven days, removing themselves from the everyday world, 
being isolated and speaking to no one for that time in order to prep for the magic ritual that comes at hand. Funny thing about that, the Catholic belief of preparing for an exorcism is similar, where the priest remains isolated and cleansed for seven days, so they are prepared to perform said exorcism. But that's not magic. I was... Right? I was just going to say... A lot of a lot of like chaos magic and uh, other magics are about invoking angels, quote unquote, right, or like right. light spirits. It's not all dark, but it's all the same. Like as far as setting a ritual, ritual setting an intent, like wearing only certain things, not being in contact with other things. It's like just nomenclature. Being That's all it is. Being quote unquote clean. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. So. Um, Josh, read uh, another little section out of uh, the Black Arts just to enlighten us. The first essential is that the magician must be magically consecrated, which means that he must set himself apart from everyday world and his ordinary life. A magical operation of any difficulty cannot be performed in a normal condition of mind or body. One of the Greco-Egyptian texts tells the magician to maintain to remain pure for seven days. Then, on the third day of the new moon, he must go to the bank of, the, of a river, the Nile in this particular case, where he builds a fire of olive wood on an altar made of two upright bricks. Before sunrise, he ceremoniously circles this altar. As soon as the rising sun clears the horizon, the magician cuts off the head of a virgin white cock, throwing the head into the river. He drains the cock's blood into his right <laughs> hand and laps it up. He burns the carcass on the fire and himself dives into the river. He then climbs back onto the bank, being careful to step backwards, takes off his wet clothes, and puts on new ones. Finally, he must go away without looking over his shoulder. In this process, the magician is purified and set apart from his ordinary self by the week of chastity, the virginity of the cock which he, he has imbibed with its blood. The plunge into the river and the new clothes which symbolize his new self. He must climb out of the river backwards and go away without looking behind him to avoid making any link between his new and old selves. This is where we dive into the crux of what most people picture when the word black magic or black arts is mentioned. We're not going to go into details on spells, chants, summoning, sacrifices. Whether we believe it or not, I personally don't want to incur the wrath of summoning a demon by mistake. I already have enough projects and life problems on my plate. I don't want to do it trying to figure out how to get a demon out of my house. That's just me. Yeah. No. Sorry, call me crazy. But suffice to say, you can go down that path if you want. We'll <laughs> yeah, right. For example, sacrificing an animal or something else, we're not going to mention what, sometimes isn't just about having to sacrifice to follow a spell or a recipe of sorts, but more to cause a psychological charge to the said magician that helps drive energy focus, and power. Other quick mentions of the more darker forms of magic that we really didn't have a chance to get into um, is necromancy, psychic attacks, low magic, witchcraft, black mass, which is reversed to the Catholic ceremony of mass. And let's not forget about good old straightforward devil worship, which we briefly touched, but really not in detail just because I'm evidently a pussy. So <laughs> other notables of the study of magic is elixir of life and the sorcerer's stone. At the end of the day, magic is honestly a loaded fucking term. There are so many branches and offshoots that it blows the proverbial mind. We didn't even mention Harry Potter and everything associated with that whole mess of stuff that I I, I don't get those shows, but that's just me. Well, they're fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I hear. Well, you know, or just the fantasy world in general, I guess. Um, D&D is a good example because yeah. you know, they pull off a lot of what magic is. They took a lot of ideas from magic, I think. I don't play it, but I think one of us does. I mean, I play it. And yeah, there's a ton of magic. Yeah, I'm I'm a half elf bard, so I definitely have spells. <laughs> Don't say that in yes. the public. I, <laughs> I'm just saying. The no, fans, that makes me super fucking happy. <laughs> <laughs> the fancy nuts run amuck when we open up that whole Pandora's box. I will say, after all of the research that I personally wonder if energy and magic don't have some kind of like in kind to them, like we talked about earlier, or maybe just positive mind enforcement that makes people believe in said magic. Something to be said about a belief system, no matter what that belief system may be. If it's strong enough, it can literally move mountains. I have personally witnessed someone dying of cancer, which this is a true story, 
Um, but they believed so much in the herbal concoctions they were taking and the meditations they were taking and the vibes um, that they they actually got cured from cancer. It wasn't pills. It wasn't no, chemotherapy. They got up and they walked and they lived a happy full life for like 40 years. Um, just surreal, you know. So the world is full of wondrous things. And we don't see why magic can't share a corner of that. And if nothing else, um, positive enforcement. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally so. believe that. Like when uh, my blood pressure shit got all weird, like I feel like the acupuncture did way more for me than the medication did. The mm -hmm. medication just made my inside sad. Yeah, I, th I think with Western medicine, you're just constantly chasing one thing after another. Like, oh, we'll take this pill because this pill's fucking you up in this way. So you have. But this, this pill is going to give you diarrhea. But this pill over here is going to cure that diarrhea. But this is going to give you dementia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not yeah. saying like if you have cancer, you should only do acupuncture for sure. But I am saying like you shouldn't. Discount I'm already writing it down, Josh. These things because they haven't been measured to be effective by Western science. Yeah, I mean, positive, PMA, positive mental attitude, gets your life in a very, it goes a long way. It, it Does it cure cancer? Yes. Maybe not. Yes. Maybe but. it does in certain cases. Are you but. talking about the power of intention? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I Can I tell you guys a quick fun story? I one time, um, feel free to cut this out if you want to, but I one time was like watching a like pledge drive on NP or PBS mm -hmm. and that old white bald dude was talking about the power of intention during it. And I like was super hammered and like called them up and was like, I don't fucking pay you guys good money to hear this fucking infomercial bullshit. And yeah, I guess it's not really a funny story. It was just more. And did you have a heart condition soon after? Yeah, well, no, they were just <laughs> mostly like, uh, what happened? you don't pay us anyway. <laughs> And I was like, fucking fair. All right, I'm done. So yeah. you're just harassing the good people of a PBS fundraising. Yeah. It was the Kilby House days. Of PBS. It's, it's not like you can harass Fox News, but you chose PBS to harass. Yeah, because I, I was like, I expect better from you than this dude basically selling his books, The Power of Intention, <laughs> during a pledge drive. Like, what the fuck? It is too much. It is too much, man. But with all that being said, <laughs> I I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. I, I mean, I'm trying to continue, but it's, it's really hard, Josh. That story is, oh, I thought you shook were me to my core. Sorry. So <laughs> anyway. I'll see myself out. <laughs> that is part two of magic. Uh, again, we wrapped up. Just, you know, you guys can take it for however you want to take it. There, I, I believe there's something here. Now, whether, whether it's Sorcerer's Stones, Elixirs of Life, anything else you want to do with it, I, I really don't know. But, you know, the perception of the mind is a strange thing to taste. And I think that's a really chunk of it. So, yeah, I, you know. yeah I, I just think, yeah, I agree with you. I think the mind is just an absolute force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, some people know how to use it more than others, but. Yeah, I yeah. think the human mind is incredibly powerful. I think the human will is also incredibly powerful. And I think that a lot of people let just life, not necessarily like any discipline of western anything this or that but they just let life tell them that they're not powerful yeah when in fact everyone does have like a human mind and a human will and can accomplish great things if yeah. they can figure I, out how i to think people get that, they get know? convoluted i agree i just agree with shit. all of that so anyway um hopefully you guys enjoyed that again check out our patreon we have some bonus stuff up there uh you can find us at patreon.com slash strange uncles uh you can write us at strange uncles at gmail.com even though we have what 36 future topics already lined out by well, all we, means we can squeeze in we another got one stuff we got so, a lot yeah we got a lot and we can figure out where we want to go there you can call us if you want to at area code 801-252-69 wacky dacky do <laughs> 45 and you can let us know um again if you want to be anonymous we can make you anonymous uh it leaves three minute voicemail so call back again we'll splice that together and we'll bring the magic on the podcast um we would like actually to have an episode where it's just like you know, call in listeners would be I, cool. I think so. lis listener stories, I mean, that's why we have the hotline. And I think a yeah. lot of you out there, and some of you have already called in with your stories, which we re really appreciate. And I would like to do an episode of just listener stories. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I think it's cool. Um, check out the website, mystrangegirls.com. You can find our write-ups on there. You can find a podcast on there, amongst other things. Um, I even threw some quick clips of some new stuff. By the way, there's a movie that I cannot wait to check out, even though Nicolas Cage is in it. That's color, not necessarily a bad thing. Color out of space. 
is based on an HP Lovecraft story, and okay. it looks mind blowing. The clip is on our website, mystrangles.com. Um, if anybody watched Mandy, it looks like it falls under the same premise as Mandy a little bit. That is on my list. Oh man, it's on it my is list. just so crazy. Like you literally have to sit back and just think about why you exist. I got it, it's super weird. fucking pumped when I saw the trailer and like a basketball media person was talking about how much they loved it. And I was like, okay. Nicholas Cage, sorry. Yeah. So, and Say I, what you will about I really wanted to check it out, but then I never got around to it. So I'm yeah. excited to check it out. Well, I like Nicholas Cage. And uh, I think with that, close the gates.